Hello and welcome to episode 87 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host Chloe Bloxham and I'm joined by David Comerford as we analyse the win over Newcastle, discuss the signings of Arthur and also look ahead to the Merseyside derby which is happening this Saturday. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. But first of all, let's go back to that last-minute winner against Newcastle. 2-1, Carvalho pops up out of nowhere. Um, and I think there's only one place to start aside from the goal, and that is the time-wasting, David. Um, I've never felt... I've never been to a game where the time-wasting's been on that scale before. I think Joe Linton must have went down at least 10 times throughout that entire game. From the very first minute we kicked off, the goalkeeper started going down... And in the 92nd minute, he went down for 94 seconds and we won a corner 94 seconds into the added time for him going down, which ultimately won us the game. But do you think that the goal was more of relief, excitement? What what did you think when that goal went in? Because when I thought of it, I thought of last season where no matter if we go behind, which we need to stop doing, but no matter if we do it, there was always a case of, you know, we will always break through at some point. You know, we we don't we just keep going and eventually we get there. And this season it's felt a bit like we can't actually do that, no matter how much we try, we don't get through. Um, but it happens and it happens at the death. I mean, on the time wasting, like I think it it was funny because you had Joel in, so it was probably the main culprit of it, really, and, and clearly a deliberate game plan. And then at the end, Newcastle have this attack and it's like he's amazingly managed to, to summon the energy to kind of charge up our right wing, um, which kind of just shows you that the, the whole thing was was just an act. But I, I think the thing that really frustrates me about it is you've got like commentators are like always down with a bit of cramp. It's really hard chasing the chasing the ball um, at Anfield for 90 minutes. And like, well, it's nothing to do with chasing the ball. He's cheating. <laughs> he's just going down to waste time and the commentators never say it. Um, and I, I often wonder why they don't do that, whether there's some sort of silent contract where they can't call it out for what it is. Um, I'm assuming it's something to do with the fact that if the player's actually injured, then it's seen as just like really disrespectful or something. But everybody knows, and the commentators know, and the players know, that it's just it's just cheating, um, to be honest. And it's hard to see a way that it can be counteracted, to be honest. Um, you know, I'm kind of open to solutions because it obviously extremely frustrating and yesterday it, it was a very stop-start game and I think Newcastle were able to use it as a weapon not just to run down the clock but also to take the sting out the game in spells where Liverpool were putting them under a lot of pressure and I think Liverpool's probably best spell of the whole game was kind of around the, the Firmino equaliser and I remember the ball kind of went out for a throw on the right-hand touchline and then Joel Linton goes down on kind of the edge of the box and like the whole crowd groans. And then after that, you genuinely saw like a, a big dip in terms of the intensity with which Liverpool were playing. So it was very much sort of tactically deployed at uh, the time wasting too, I'd say. Um, and on the late winner, it's, you know, I'd probably agree with what you're saying because I, I have belief that Liverpool are going to score and... And obviously, you know, when when we get that corner at the end, you're just like, please, 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 kind of thing. And you just, you know, there's going to be kind of one more chance in there. But I didn't have any expectation. And that's kind of similar to what you're saying. So think about the Liverpool teams of, of 1920 in particular. 
when you go behind and uh, even when it's still late on and you need the goal, you almost expect and, and you think that the goal will come based on, you know, what you're saying and based on what team's been producing that season. Um, but like you say, this season, we haven't in, in some cases been able to find that moment at the end and the way it was looking really in terms of how we were playing, I didn't necessarily foresee with the logical part of my brain that we were going to score a goal. Um, so it was it was a, a surprise and and it, and it reminded me in some respects of the the Vakarigi Merseyside derby when it just in terms of how kind of scrappy it was and how it almost took me a moment to realise that that the ball had gone in because of the way it kind of crashed in off the other side of the bar. Um, so yeah, extremely scrappy and um, I almost sort of wince when I'm watching it back because the amount of times it feels like Pope could either gather the ball or Newcastle could clear it or it could break down in some way. It's just kind of like you're just so relieved. Um, like you say that we managed to to get it over the line through Cavallo. Yeah, I think the the, the phrase I said um, on Redmen was last season and the seasons before that, it just felt like we always find a way. That was it. It was you'd come out and you'd be like, yeah, that's the mentality of Liverpool Football Club. We always find a way, no matter how we're playing. And it felt like at the start of this season, we haven't been able to find other ways to win football games. We haven't even, you know, we, we beat Bournemouth 9-0, which was a, a boss game of football. Um, and, and we played really, really well. But in every other game, we really, really struggled to break teams down and find goals and not make mistakes. Um, and I think yesterday's performance, yes, a 9-0 is brilliant. But winning in that fashion is even better in my eyes, especially for mentality. Those lads there, no matter what they're going through for the first four games of the season where we haven't been good, they've just shown themselves we can win in different ways. We don't need to be brilliant at football for 90 minutes. We just need to put the ball in the back of the net. We don't need to score every chance. We just need to keep grafting, keep working through it um, and keep the belief and desire until the very last minute and we get the goal. Um, because let's be honest, I, I didn't think we were good at all, really. I, I, it wasn't our worst performance of the season. I saw effort, I saw, you know, a bit of desire there, but we weren't great. Or, you know, I thought Harvey Elliott was absolutely, at first 20 minutes, maybe not great, but then grew into the game and was our most influential player. His ball to Salah for Salah's cutback to Firmino is absolutely phenomenal. His movement and his ball for Diaz, who misses practically an open goal, but it is a tight angle, I'll give him that. Um, and then Carvalho, he came on and every time he received the ball, he was already on the half turn. He was turning and he was driving. And those two players were our main creative sparks. And the young teenagers, I mean, that is brilliant for Liverpool Football Club. Um, and the, the fact that they're coming in and having this influence on, on Liverpool, who for years have been known as a team that can just go and score three in you know, five minutes and be absolutely unbelievable with their front line. For how much we've struggled this season, those two midfielders have really, really helped us. But what did you think of the entire team? Let's not look at individuals at this moment. What do you think of the entire team for the first 60 or so minutes of that game before we get the first one back? I, I do I do think that the the goal and, and and the fight back that we saw in terms of the results does paper over the cracks to some extent in terms of what you're saying, you know, with, with the team performance. I think the main thing that was 
frustrating me is the attack on play from us. It wasn't like we were, you know, forcing Nick Pope into the kind of Anfield masterclass that he's he's produced in the past, really. I, I want to say that the Elliott shot, um, which came after, I think Henderson tried to dink a ball through to Salah, and then Salah like touched it down because he couldn't quite get it out in front of him. And, and then Elias has a shot, which Pope gets down to save. And I, I think that was about probably 55 minutes into the game. Might have been our first sort of shot on target. So the first time we'd actually worked Pope properly. Um, and I think the the problem that we had was we just lacked composure. Um, you know, it was, I think we've seen it on a few occasions this season. Like I want to say, particularly late on against Fulham when we were chasing a winner there, you know, the amount of sort of, loose touches, strange decisions, things breaking down in really frustrating fashion. And that's what I think it comes down to is just lacking the, the composure in those moments, which I think was an area where Harvey Ellis actually stood out really, um, and Cavalio as well. But too many other players just losing that. And, and that includes um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, by the way. like just It's just one of them where you just need to almost... You, you know, you don't want to slow the play down too much, but you've got to kind of take a moment and, and not and not rush it, which I thought we were guilty of at times. And yeah, it was just like, it didn't feel like there were kind of rehearsed attacking patterns and being used a lot of the time. It felt like there wasn't much direction there. So from that from that point of view, I guess kind of the, the tactical points and, and how well the team is functioning, it, it was worrying. And I guess it was especially worrying because you're playing against a Newcastle team that, and we spoke about this a lot, um, in our kind of preview podcast for this game. They didn't have their three best players. They didn't have Gimaraes, they didn't have Wilson and St. Maximin. So it should have been, in light of that, much more comfortable of Liverpool than it was. But the extent to which they huffed and puffed in this game, yeah, was um, alarming. And I just hope that, you know, having TR go back in, in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, and, and, and Artur in there as well when he can't play. And then... Nunez and Jota as the focal point in the side because I thought, I know he scored a, a very nice, well-taken goal, but I thought Firmino was sort of really poor aside from that, if I'm completely honest. Having those two players back, those focal points, I'm hoping will um, restore the kind of attack and direction that I'm talking about and and the identity that we want to play with, I'd say. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of people, I, I mean, I totally understand. I don't think we played well at all. Um I think the goal was a bit more relief than anything else because I felt like we were the much better side based on the fact that Newcastle hadn't really done much. They'd had one really good chance from open play and they'd scored from it. And it came from our error of giving the ball away. Um, you know, we made the the mistakes that, that gave them the chance. Um, I didn't think we did well, but we were the much better side. You know, it, it couldn't have been easy with two players at a time going down every two minutes like it's a stop start and the the crowd was frustrated so I can only imagine what the players were um but I I don't understand all the people and and even Liverpool fans on Twitter and we'd be talking about Twitter a lot but like people just can't enjoy a moment of football anymore like it is absolutely sound people for your first reaction to be coming out that ground and absolutely buzzing at the fact that we've just scored a 90th minute winner. We don't instantly need to think, oh, we were crap there. You know, like, live off the, the the brilliant moment of us scoring 
of it being at the depth when they've just literally wasted time for the entire 90 minutes. We can celebrate little wins whilst also acknowledging that Liverpool did not do well, but a lot of people, for some reason, um, are just a bit too negative. I don't know what's going on in their lives, but football is supposed to be an escape. And when you get a last-minute winner like that, that's what football is all about. So just enjoy the moment. You can still acknowledge that Liverpool didn't play well, but... Take it for what it is, and that's three points. And you're now bouncing into obviously Goodison on the weekend. Before we do get on to Goodison and everything coming up, um, just another one on the game. Then you mentioned us being sloppy at times. Bobby for me, you know, I thought we went back to a bit of Manchester United where it just felt like our front three were just far too wide, like we just. No one was close to each other. Bobby Firmino wasn't in the right areas that we needed them to be. He pops up with a goal, though, so who cares? You know, he's done his job there. Um, I think the the problem with Liverpool, especially in that first half, because I think we did get better in the second, was we were very lethargic on the ball. There was no movement at all at times. You know, we were just stood behind players expecting us to get the ball. Um, there was no pace in our build-up we needed to pick it up a bit. I mean, Newcastle were really defensively organised and fair play to them for that. But Liverpool have to find solutions and we str- we are struggling to find solutions. At times, I thought some of our players just looked like strangers to each other, um, not really knowing where to be or what to do. And that needs to be sorted and that'll come with cohesion, I guess, of the football. And like some of these players, even Diaz at this point, we've, not, we've lost a couple of players, obviously Mane being one of them. That's a massive miss. You've got to now learn to play a different way to Darwin Nunes. You've got, um, obviously, Diaz on the wing, who is a different type of player to Sadio Mane. He just is. He's a brilliant footballer, but he's a, he's a different style. He likes being touched tight to the to the wing. Sadio Mane could do that, but he, he ran into the box a lot. He cut across the the um, right-back and also the, the right centre-back uh, to get inside and make those runs. Luis Diaz is learning to do that, but isn't there yet. What did you think of our overall play? Do you think what what I'm trying to pinpoint? What is the problem? And I'm not Jurgen Klopp, so I physically stand there and I just say, "There's not enough movement. There's not enough creativity in that first half." Yet we've got Harvey Elliott, who's growing into the game. But when Trent's your most influential player and he's not playing brilliantly, we struggle, and that needs to be addressed. It needs to be fixed. Um. And we weren't moving it fast enough. The players, there was hardly any movement there. And we really struggled to get shots off, especially in that first 45. I'm struggling to think of chances aside from that. Lewis Diaz one that we had. But what is the problem? I think the way you put it there and you said they, they look like strangers on the pitch is a very good way of looking at it. And, and that's not something we usually see. And I think it probably comes down to, to what you say in terms of really we're seeing now the first kind of like major figures um within the within the side over a sort of long period of time have have left and you know you look at looking at Sadio Mane um, from that point of view and, and having him kind of out the side and it's not really the kind of team that you normally look at. You know, you've got Harvey Elias in there. He didn't play much football last season um in the midfield. You've got Henderson, for example, playing on the left hand side a role that he's not particularly used to. Diaz is obviously um, a fairly new addition um, and roles seem to be sort of changing a little bit in terms of, like you say, the position of the of the wingers in a way that isn't necessarily looking 
like the most effective. I think what you touch on there with Trent, he was, I know he came off yesterday and um, actually probably Liverpool improved a little bit after he did, which says a lot, you know, the amount that he was giving the ball away yesterday was incredible. And I do think aside from the Bournemouth game, he's had the pretty poor starts the season, if I'm being honest. Um, when you don't have him or Thiago, you don't have him playing well and you don't have Thiago in the side, I think you lose basically your two main playmaking influences in the team. And I think that showed in terms of not having maybe the adequate um, plan B without those two creating the dangerous situations for us um, with their passing ability. So I think that plays a large part in it. And that's why I'm hopeful that as much as I do think that the late goal papers over the cracks in terms of how the performance was yesterday, I think, Hopefully, it's not too much of a barometer of what it's going to be like going forward once we get um, injured players back and once we can, you know, hopefully get some of those that are struggling like Trent um, back into form as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Jota's back in training Thursday. Thiago's a couple of weeks away. We've obviously got Darwin Nunes returning finally. Um, We have uh, Keza Jones and Joel Matic were both on the bench. Am I missing anyone? Calvin Ramsey is coming back. Is there any more players I'm missing? Callahan, I think, is back. Um, so we're getting it, you know, it's a bit more positive. Jordan Henderson has just, you know, got injured, which isn't great. Uh, but that actually segues us onto the next uh, topic here, which is actually really decent. And that is uh, Liverpool are in for Artemelo. Um, contracts are now ready to be signed. Medical will be completed at some point later today at this moment in time. I think he's flying to Liverpool. Um, it is a loan deal with no buy option. Now, I don't know what to think of this because this makes me think we clearly don't rate him as much as we probably thought we might. Because if we rated him, we'd be thinking, yeah, if he does well, we, we want a clause. Yeah. So Juventus don't stick another 10 million on that to, for us to pay. I, I don't know whether you look into that or, or what. But the other thing with Arta is... He's not got the greatest injury record. Um, I, I don't think he started or been a part of Juventus's team so far this season, or at least I didn't. I quickly had a look and I didn't see him there. Um, I think he said he had an injury, but apparently he is fit enough to come in for the derby. Let's start first with what you think of the player, what you think of the sign, and, and then I also want your thoughts on do you start him straight for the derby? Well, I'm not going to pretend that I'm sort of a huge long-standing expert um, in Otter, but I looked at the... Um, I've obviously been looking at all the sort of uh, information that's been kind of coming out this morning, reading a bit about him, and, and the consensus seems to be that that since he went to, to Juventus from Barcelona, that he has underwhelmed on the whole. Um, and... If you look at some of the teams that he's actually been linked to this summer, Valencia, Sporting and Wolves, that's a bit worrying in terms of the the market Liverpool are shopping and the, the quality of the player. Is he good enough um, for this side? But there's an article that um, Emmett Gates wrote for Liverpool.com, um, which I'd recommend um, as a sort of a, a quite a balanced lowdown on the player. Um, and the conclusion he seems to reach is that he's a very, very talented player but he just needs the right coach and the right system. And you hope, obviously, you know, with, with Klopp, there the probably isn't really a better coach out there. Hopefully, 
one that's kind of tailored to his needs and and whether Liverpool believe that the system that he's playing him will bring the best out of him. Obviously, you think given that they've identified him as the man after in this late midfield search that they've had that they, they think that there is a lot of potential there that they can unlock. Um, the things that I like um, from what I've seen are that he's in the mould of, of Thiago and, and we, myself and Dan were speaking about what kind of midfielder we wanted last week um, or, or before, before the Newcastle game, I should say. And we both kind of agreed that the priority for this summer, given that we want to kind of the, the Jude Bellingham next one, was to bring someone in who could cover the sort of Thiago role in the midfield, given that, I mean, it's an area of need for us because of Thiago's own uh, injury history, really. So I definitely approve of that in terms of that, the direction Liverpool have gone in. Um, and it's it's also nice to have a midfielder with a lot of technical ability, um, which is, again, the consensus around him is that, you know, technically he's, he's very, very gifted. Um, just because sometimes, you know, you're watching the likes of Henderson and Milner in the midfield uh, and, and Fabinho to a degree, I suppose. And you just think, you just kind of long for a player who does kind of have that bit more sort of magic in him, really. Because um, Henderson and, and Milner are certainly limited from that point of view and it can be quite frustrating to watch. I don't think, from what I've seen, that he's going to be someone who can be as incisive as Thiago maybe in his passing. He seems to be more safe in possession like Thiago. As we know, Thiago's passing accuracies are, are, are always, you know, right up there. Um, but hopefully that level of kind of safety that he does offer uh, when he has possession means that he can help us control games. And it remains to be seen the extent to which he can stabilise Liverpool out of possession, which I think is a problem. But certainly with the ball, that's obviously part of, of dictating a match and, and keeping a match under wraps, really. And I often think we do need someone uh, and we, we lack someone who can keep us taking over, almost like uh, there's been comparisons to, to Jorginho at Chelsea and whatever you think of him, he can be um, really good when, when it comes to controlling a game when, you know, you might only be one goal up. So hopefully that's an area you can help Liverpool. And um, yeah, like I say, the, the technical gifts um, should be quite welcome and should mean that he's quite a good a good player to watch as well, I would have thought. The thing about the whole stopgap thing and, and the loan with, with no option to buy, is is very interesting to be honest because we obviously we've seen the whole summer Liverpool talking about we're not going to bu- sign a short term solution and we're not going to buy a stopgap we're going to buy someone we believe can make a difference going forward and it's it's hard to see this as anything but that to be honest given that they haven't um, indicated that they're convinced by um, by the player long term really and it probably does reflect the the level of risk within the transfer because, you know, there aren't the guarantees maybe based on the levels he's shown um, at Juventus up to this point. And you wouldn't rule out necessarily there being a permanent transfer, you know, if, if he does do really well this season um, and Liverpool believe that he can play that that role in the squad as, as the Thiago cover um, for the next few years, then maybe they do make a permanent offer. But I think generally the whole the nature of the deal does show the reality of the situation Liverpool are in at this point where with so little time left in the transfer window when they're changing their, their stance on getting in this new midfielder, they aren't going to be able to bring in someone who, who ticks all the boxes for them. It was something me and Dan talked about again where there isn't that kind of perfect option out there um, at this stage, unfortunately. So we've had to pick one who 
has has issues, you know, in terms of the injuries and inconsistency, I suppose, um, in performance. But yeah, you just have to to hope, I suppose, that that working under Klopp can um, really take him to the next level, which I, I don't think is a particularly unjustified hope. Yeah, uh, definitely, Jurgen Klopp. If he gets under his wing, he can turn players who are fairly okay into world class. Um, so you would not be surprised at that. I have just searched him, uh, his Wikipedia, to see his age. And uh, the opening line is, he's a Brazilian professional footballer who plays as a midfielder for Club Liverpool. Um, so someone's already <laughs> updated that. Um, yeah, it'll be exciting to see what he's about. I don't, I haven't watched much of him. I know there was a whole saga of him going between Juventus to Barcelona or Barcelona to Juventus. And it was, he was in a swap deal for Pjanic at one point, I think, and I just... I was a bit scratching my head with that because Pjanic is a much older footballer. I've got no idea why Barcelona wanted to do that swap deal, but there we go. Um, but I can't lie and say I've seen much of him, but it still excites me. Um, I wouldn't mind Liverpool signing another midfielder. We uh, we obviously won't, but I'd really enjoy that if we could. Um, I want to know what you think, and, and you've got a point here, I think, as well, David, to jump in. But the Everton part of, of the question... Are you Sam with him coming in for that game? Do you think he understands exactly what to be expected? Because I'm not going to lie to you, yeah. Um, you're not going to get 20 seconds on a ball, especially not in the derby. Um, and if he's at Juventus and Barcelona, where the, the game is a, a lot, it's played at a lot slower pace. I'm a bit concerned that if he's not on it from the very beginning, someone's putting one on you, and I'm getting and and you know the winning the ball off us. Yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? You talk about like a baptism of fire in terms of a debut, like the the intensity of the atmosphere really is going to be a very big test for them, I suppose. Um, I would be hesitant about putting them straight into the team, definitely. You know, based on what we're reading, that this move has kind of been triggered by Henderson getting injured, really. Like that was the thing that obviously they, they knew about him beforehand and, and they viewed him as an option. But perhaps, especially given how well Elliot and Cavalio played yesterday, perhaps Liverpool would simply have tried to ride it out if they still had um, Henderson available at least, and and you know Jones coming back, and they thought maybe we're kind of coming out the other side of it now. Um, I think obviously today at um, the AXA training centre there's going to be a uh, recovery session, and then Friday there'll be the sort of substantial pre-Everton training session. So you're looking at it. If all goes to plan, tomorrow is going to be his, his one and only training session with the team before that game. Is that enough to, to start straight away? I wouldn't necessarily think so. But, you know, is he someone who maybe can come on in that game? And if Liverpool, let's say, one goal up, and obviously with it being a derby, that lead will feel very precarious. Um, is he someone who can come on and help us see the game out, potentially? You know, I think Thiago, for example, um, I want to say against Chelsea, um, he might have made his debut and um, came on and really controlled that game for us, albeit against 10 men. So do we see something similar to that? But I also want to know, Chloe, what, what you think of the whole injury record situation because it, it, it does look a bit worrying. And do you, do you think that's a bit careless from Liverpool? Because it seems to me that the one thing you want to make sure of almost with this midfield signing is that he is going to be kind of very dependable in terms of his availability, given that he's covering for other players who are 
injury prone because Liverpool are going to look very silly really if, if this if this goes wrong now and, and Arturo spends a lot of time on the sidelines himself yeah I, I am a bit concerned because out of our midfield Tiara's already got an injury that was for six weeks and I don't know how many weeks it's actually been uh, Jordan Henderson's got one Curtis Jones had one um, Fabinho's not really been playing at his high standard but he did get a knock towards the end of last season. Um, James Milner is, you know, back up for right back at the moment because Calvin Ramsey is not here at the moment. So I am a bit concerned with his injury record because, uh, like anyone, I, I, I'm i also concerned at the fact that I think he declared he's, uh, himself, I saw it on Twitter also, and, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but he had an injury and he's not played this season or something. Um. And then to just say, oh, yeah, but he's probably fit enough to put him in against Everton. If he gets, like, there is, that is not going to be an easy game, not just for atmosphere, but Everton, if anything, they're going to put one on you. If we're not, if we're a different class to them, or if we're too good, no matter what, the first thing that's going to happen is it, you're going to, in the first five minutes, have one on you. And it'll more than likely be him if he's playing, because it's the new lad. It'll be like, welcome to the Premier League, mate. And that's that's just what that's what footballers get told to do. First five minutes, go and put one on one, but make sure you put it on the new lad who's only just joined and make him. And especially if he's injured already, or if he's still recovering from an injury, and we've stuck him in, you don't want him to pick up another knock. Um, and it could be a case of us bringing in a player who's then out longer than the rest of the entire team in in midfield. So. It is a bit of a woody, um, but Liverpool had to do something, and I assume there was only limited options because this name feels like it came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, if there was anyone who I would have bet on Liverpool going for in on the final day of the season, his name wouldn't have even been in my mind or anywhere near. Um, so yeah, it, it is a bit of a woody for me, but. I'm excited because it's a it's a it's a footballer who gets his chance and I get to see him play. And if he does brilliantly, boss, we might do something more with him after after this season. And if we if he does good, then hopefully the rest of the squad do good and hopefully he adds a bit more to us because we have lacked in midfield creativity, it creative wise. So even if he comes in and he does Tiago in terms of the pass before the assist or just one that gets us going. Um, and we don't have to rely on Trent Alexander-Arnold as much, on Salah, on Elliot, on Diaz. We need to spread it out a bit um, so that when one player's off, we've got other areas to be able to play and create in. Um, then hopefully it's not that bad. But yeah, I am I'm a bit concerned. But we, we just hope it goes well. I'd, I'd like another midfielder. I've said this because I just really enjoy the idea of, of signing another player. It's just... It makes the atmosphere even better because you're excited to see players. Um, but yeah, who who knows? Let's hope he does well. Um, but moving on to the big one, which you know he might play in, which is the derby. It's Saturday half twelve kickoff. I'm going to start on the opposition first. Um, Everton. I don't think they've been as bad as what they looked last season. I I really don't think they've been that bad. I, I don't think they've been excellent, but they've caused teams problems um, and I don't think they've been awful I think Connor Cody's done well for them and I just think to myself they can cause us a lot of problems if they just sit deep and play like Fulham like Crystal Palace or like Newcastle and just frustrate us 
Yeah, I mean, game plan wise, I think it's pretty obvious what we're going to see. Like this back three that they've got, I imagine it'll be with Tarkovsky, uh, Cody, and somebody else. I think uh, Hallgate's injured now, so I'm not really sure who'd um, be filling in uh, the third centre back position, but. To have them, you know, they're very sort of good, I think, back to the wall kind of defenders, really. And then you've got players like uh, Gray and uh, obviously Anthony Gordon, who I think will effectively look to just tear through Liverpool on the counter-attack. And I think it's pretty obvious what we're going to see in that regard of Everton soaking up pressure and trying to exploit the vulnerabilities we've seen when Liverpool are faced with kind of defending transitions, really. Um, I think they'll, be, they'll have the opportunity to, to run into a decent amount of space. So... If well executed, that game plan could definitely um, cause Liverpool issues. And I'd, I'd also think to myself, you know, if you thought the Newcastle time wasting last night was bad, I think if Everton get the opportunity, even if it's nil-nil about sort of 15, 20 minutes into the game, I think they're going to be sort of attempting that as well. And it might even be, might even be even worse in that point of view. I, I think it's interesting with Everton because... You know, you, you look at where they are. They've they've only got three points, three draws, two losses from five games. You look at some of the games they played as well. You know, to have gone to Villa away, Brentford away, Leeds away, Forest at home. You know, if they for the team that wants to stay up, I feel like they should have won at least one of those matches. I mean, those are the the kind of games where you do need to to pull the results out and to have rattled through a few of them already without getting anything. It's definitely worrying for them. Um, but, you know, you do have to acknowledge, I suppose, that they have had injuries. You know, looking at it now, Townsend, Godfrey, Mina, Calvert-Lewin, Decore and Holgate are all out at the moment. And obviously Calvert-Lewin's a particularly big miss, given that they've had to play like Gordon, who's a winger um, up front um, earlier on. And, and even if he has got a couple of goals recently, it does obviously affect the way that your team plays and isn't necessarily the way you ideally want to play. Um so with Mopay coming in, maybe things will start to improve in that regard. Obviously, Onana will um, gel more into the side. I think he's a really good sign for Everton, the kind of sign they probably need to make a bit more often. And you've got obviously Tarkovsky and Cody who are kind of solid short-term additions. Um, Mopay and McNeil probably could go either way, really. So the business has been a mixed bag so far, I'd say. Um, and yeah, I mean, generally Everton as a whole, like I'm not... A, particularly someone who rates Frank Lampard. I mean, I, at the start of the season, I didn't think he would last until uh, the end the end of the year and the end of the season, should say, it'll probably get past um, get past Christmas. But um, I don't think it's necessarily been too much so far to change that opinion. But like I say, there are kind of mitigating circumstances for Everton. So, yeah, I think it's going to be... Um, it's pretty obvious how Everton are going to approach this one, I'd say. And, yeah, it's just on... Um, it's on Liverpool, really, to uh, make sure, I suppose, that, I mean, an early goal here, I feel like, would be absolutely huge in terms of counteracting that, that pattern of the game that I'm talking about. Yeah, I think also on Everton, I'm not really too sure what's going on with James Garner. I think they were in for him. And also, Adrisa Gay returned to Everton. Um, that one feels like it's been going on for the majority of the transfer window. I don't know whether they've signed or are going to sign them. Um, but... It, apparently, uh, Idrissa Gay is set to, to join them again. Um, they're closing in on two signings on deadline day, which you assume then they'll both be able to play um, on on Saturday. So we'll also see what they look like. They might bring in another couple of signings, which might make them better. Um, but yeah, like you said, 
I don't think Everton have been brilliant, but they. I think last season they probably lose <laughs> the games that they've drawn, where at least they got a point out of them. At some, at, you know, this season. Um, but it's one of them. It's a derby. They're gonna absolutely be be after us. They're gonna be putting one on us. Um, and you know, it, it will. It, it won't be an easy game. We hope that it could be another four nil, but. You know that was Dreamland last season. So yeah, let, let's see how that goes. What what do you think Klopp should do with his lineup then? Because you've just got Carvalho who's just scored a 98th minute winner. Whenever he's came on, he's been absolutely brilliant for Liverpool. Is Everton a step too far for him? You know, are we sound with Joe Gomez and and um, Virgil Van Dijk at the back? Does Matip have a say in that? Right backs, left backs. They were both brought off. Um, with about 15 minutes to go, I want to say, so maybe that was also a bit of rest um, to, to both play this game. And Darwin Nunes, does he come back into it? What do you think Klopp's going to do or <laughs> what do you want to happen? What's your preferred lineup, or what's Klopp going to do? I think there's more kind of question marks this week. Obviously, you, you've gone through most of them there. The past couple of weeks, it's been like there's only really been room for maybe one change. But with players starting to come back now and a player coming in, then there are, you know, things a bit more up in the air. I'll, I'll go from the back, obviously. So, Alisson in goal. I'd go the same back four as last night from the start. I think, obviously, Trent needs to improve, uh, like I've touched on. Robertson, I'm surprised he's going to have played up kind of all three games uh, in the week. That's the way it's looking with Simicast being in there. But it seems almost the approach Klopp's gone for is to give Simicas a lot of minutes off the bench and, and try and keep him happy that way, as opposed to starting him just at this particular stage of the season. Um, I'd probably go with uh, Gomez and Van Dijk. I think defensively, Gomez hasn't been brilliant. I've, I've liked them in possession, certainly. Um, but yeah, it's whether he'd want to just throw Matip, you know, straight back in um, for this one. Obviously, it's, I think it's Napoli next um, after this. So, it wouldn't be a surprise if he came in for that with maybe a little bit more training behind him. But I also think that Matip is generally a player who, despite being injury prone, is maybe able to give you a good performance um, when he's kind of in and out of the side. So maybe Klopp will kind of trust him from that point of view. But I've, I've gone with uh, Gomez uh, just for this one. Midfield is tricky. Um, Fabinho at the base of it. I don't think you can take Elias out of the team because he was the best player uh, last night. So I've got him playing. And then I don't think... I'm still not entirely convinced that from the start of a match, as opposed to the last 30 minutes when you're chasing it, that having Elias and Cavalio in front of Fabinho has the right balance. So uh, from that point of view, and, and what I said about um, Artur before, uh, I've gone with Milner, which I, I hesitate to do because I, I thought he was dreadful against Manchester United when he started. Um but I think that he might be the the option here, just in terms of having that that balance and and that kind of I don't want to use the word experience, but certainly um, more so than than Artur does um, in that left centre midfield role uh, from the start, and maybe only plays um, about sixty minutes really. And and it, to his credit, I thought he he was um, someone who improved Liverpool when he came off the bench uh, last night, and then. Frontline, Salah, Diaz and Nunez for me, which I think probably surprised people considering Firmino's got three in his last two. But the before all-round performance from him, I don't think was was that good. And it's not like Nunez has been injured. You know, he has, whilst he hasn't been playing matches, you know, he will have been still training with the side. So 
I think I would personally start him um, in this game. And, you know, just because it frustrates me sometimes to see Firmino kind of physically bullied, which which is happening um, quite a bit at the moment. So if he doesn't play, obviously you've got the option to bring him on for the last half an hour. Hopefully Joss is on the bench too, because he's a potential um, game changer, hopefully. And then... Curtis Jones and Fabio Cavallio are two players who can who can come on to with, with players starting to return and the bench starting to look a little bit stronger, albeit with um Henderson injured. So it's not partic- particularly rosy still. But um yeah, so that's how I'd do it. A couple of, of really difficult ones this week, I thought. Yeah, that's for sure. I think back five, I agree with the midfield, Harvey Elliott can't be dropped. The the reason I said Carvalho was a, a case of if we didn't bring Artur in, you know, Milner, Milner obviously would probably play left side of, of midfield, but um, it's also a case of Carvalho. I think it's a, it, it is a bit harsh of, of him not getting the start, but it's a case of the balance of that midfield extremely important in every game, never mind uh, yeah, a derby. I, I, I think it'll probably be Milner um, I, once again. Our tour, I'd probably like to see, but I don't know whether you start him from the off in this game. He needs to know exactly what the Premier League's about. Yeah, he's played the the Champions League football a lot, um, but the Premier League against your, your neighbours is is a much bigger step. Um, so I'm I'm humming and ahhing on that one. Um, I'm going to say Artur just to be different, but I, I think it'll be Milner. Um, and me front three, I want Darwin Nunes coming back in. I think Darwin Nunes, there's when I've seen a lot of teams put balls into the box against Everton Football Club and they hardly ever win a header because they've got basically five at the back. They're all compact and they're all really tall. Um, I think Darwin Nunes can put himself about. What I will say about Darwin Nunes, though, is... Darwin Nunes is either going to go absolutely mental and have an absolute worldy of a game, or he's going to get red carded. Because <laughs> I don't know whether you saw the video of him um, telling people to F off and he stood on the chairs when we've scored a 90th minute winner, a 98th minute winner. I absolutely loved that. Um, but it, 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 that just gives me the sense of he's an absolutely mad character, um, which I might enjoy. Um and I just feel like it'd be not funny, but it'd be a bit like it. He just after that, I definitely think he's up for it. And you might be up for it a bit too much, where you're accidentally putting a challenge that could get you a red card, or he's up for it and he absolutely destroys them. <laughs> I think it's one or the other. Um, but yeah, it, we're bouncing into it. I'm hoping for a result. I don't care how we get it done. I just need us to come away with the three points. What are your score predictions for this weekend? Well, yeah, I certainly hope Nunez is going to be a figure who kind of comes alive in the derby game scenario based on the kind of passion, let's say, that we've seen from him so far. And there's hopefully a kind of redemption arc that we see as well, because we have uh, definitely missed him um, at points during the, the stupid suspension that he managed to get himself. So, yeah, I'm a bit concerned that what I was saying before about the, the pattern of the game and how they might be able to find joy kind of running into space that, you know, players like Gordon and Gray... I think they might score against us, but I'll, I'll back us to, to take it 2-1. I think it'll probably be be quite a close run one, really. Well, I was going to say 2-1, so I'm now going to change it. 
uh, to 3-2 Liverpool. That's that's what I'll go with. Um, I'd much rather a clean sheet, but once again, I, I think they can cause us problems, on the break especially. Um, but the Reds will hopefully come out with another massive win, another three points. Um, and then we've got the Champions League returning. So do make sure that you're keeping up with our con- uh, content. We'll have another uh, one, hopefully after the Everton game, and then also looking ahead to that Napoli midweek game. If you are on Spotify, please do give this a five-star rating. And if you're on any other uh, platforms to listen to these podcasts, please do give us the support. Um, Give it a like or whatever you can do. Nice one for listening to this. Hopefully the Reds come out victorious in the derby. Till the next one, up the Reds.